Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bald Move Television. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Jim. And I'm Cecily. And boy, I feel like we're really living up to our mandate today. We're going to be talking about the new Netflix original, I Am Mother. Uh, season five of Black Mirror returns after they, they hit us up with uh, Bandersnatch. Uh, three more episodes. We've seen the first two, Striking Vipers and Smithereen. We'll be talking about that. Uh, we've seen the totality of Good Omens, and we're going to be talking about the wrap-up for Season 1 of that, and then we'll have some uh, comments on Handmaid's Tale. At the end of the podcast, shall we start with I Am Mother? Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of I Am Mother that starred Hilary Swank, uh, some young woman I've never seen before, and uh, Rose Byrne playing a giant robot? Mother. I liked it. I wasn't prepared for it to be good. You know, when I saw Hillary Swank pop back up, it makes you think that it's going to be just another like cheesy horror movie. Why do you? Because I, I guess I don't. I associate Hillary Swank with like quality entertainment, and you seem to associate her with like sci-fi when's madness. The, and I'm. I mean, when's the last time you've seen Hillary Swank in a quality movie? Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> it's been a okay. while. Yeah, it's I, been a while. I haven't seen a lot of Hillary Swank movies. I'm since sure she's then, been but... in others though. Oh Probably. sure, but recently. Oh, I tell you what, what she I'm was saying. that. She was that like Amish assassin from uh, The Bridge season two. I don't know. That's helping your case. <laughs> that wasn't Hillary Swank. Oh, you're right. That was the, <laughs> okay, that was the run, Lola, Lola run. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, no. But I, I'm with you, Aaron. I associate Hillary Swank with quality. So I was excited about this. All right. Oh, I like the movie. I was wrong. I thought the movie fell in a little bit of a valley where it's like, it's it's too it's too smart to be as dumb as it is in places, and but it's also too smart it's too dumb to be to to be as smart as what it's going for i'm curious to to crack into that a little bit more because i think this this movie is pretty smart but also i had its number in the first three minutes right yes i knew exactly although what they were getting although i actually i it's funny because i i thought i was even more it's, are we going to talk spoilers, spoilers on this? Because here's yeah, the thing: yeah. eventually, let's let's not go into now. I want to I want to talk. As the premise is: uh, you are joined in the action a day after some apocalyptic event, mm-hmm. and there is a bunker where this robot wakes up and it selects an embryo from this bank of embryos, and then it gestates this thing, and we see it raise this child from infancy to a about a sixteen year old somewhere and, between, and, and they call it yeah an extent. Uh, uh, re uh, uh, what is it? Extinction repopulation facility. Yeah. So you get the general idea just with that subtitle of what's actually happened. Yeah, that there, there's this a robot initiative to reboot humanity. Yeah. Um, and this 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 uh, child is raised to the best of this machine's ability. It undergoes a uh, robust education, including arts and music and philosophy and ethics, and morality. Um, and then, uh, it's, uh, that this plan is disrupted in the, in, at the end of the first act, like, like they do. <laughs> and then you, the, the, the girl has reason to distrust the system and the mother and the AI. And, uh, then it becomes a fairly, uh, I mean, a, a conventional, conventional sci-fi, uh, you know, robot panic is kind of selling it short, but that's what mm-hmm. it's going for. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I, the core of my concern is, like I said, it's too smart to handle some of these issues like because like i think this is this this film is essentially kind of like man secular ethics and morality whoa like you know utilitarianism Mm -hmm. it can get pretty scary at its margins and that's all true but this is such a surface level examination of that that i feel like the movie is smart it should have gone and actually said something definitive rather than just like i'm just raising questions man like (laughs) That's what I found frustrating about it. Yeah. Yeah, it feels a little uh, sophomoric in its uh, navel-gazing about artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and, and, you know, its role within society. And uh, that that was my biggest problem with the movie. I think it's a story well told, but it's also uh, a story that 
I, as as an individual, didn't need to see because I've seen it. And right. thought even about at it one point, like, discovered it many times, giving us a lecture on ethics and uh-huh. the studies that they're drawing from. And, and that's going to become right. a theme to some of my reviews here. Is like none of some of this stuff. It's not that it's bad. It's just that like these are one oh one level courses, and I'm kind of yeah. like at two to three hundred level on some of this stuff, and I'm looking for the next thing that's going to the next curriculum. And I get this, and and our society is dealing with like three hundred one problems at this point. Like yeah. we need to step up our education of the populace because, but that's necessarily going to be a lot of one hundred one stuff in popular culture. So I can't like the I can't be frustrated by that, but I am as a no. Just, I think this is a movie for young adults, not for thirty seven year old dudes that's like true. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it feel... probably plays a lot better if you haven't you know had the experience with artificial intelligence thinkings and right. readings and viewings that I have. Right. Because it is, uh, it does have a lot of like, you know, like I said, it it gets you to where you're ready to ask these questions. But Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, yeah, no, we need to, we actually should have been asking these questions years ago and kind of should get to some useful answers um, about about this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, every time, it's so funny because just yesterday I was watching two people on youtube debate utilitarianism and like where the line is and um i thought it was kind of interesting and fascinating but it's always interesting to see that uh whatever line you end up drawing in utilitarian like anyone that's one inch further thinks you're a monster and anyone that's you know one inch further the other way seems like a monster to you and mm-hmm. uh that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm hungry for a piece of entertainment that can kind of like move the needle or like not just raise the question, but suggest here is a way forward. And you know, this- yeah, it's interesting because we, we also watched a couple episodes of black mirror, which we'll get to, but I feel like there's a tie between those two yes. things where the, the second episode of black mirror kind of raises some sort of interesting things around like social media mm-hmm. and how, it can kind of spin out of control. And I feel mm-hmm. like we're doomed to sort of repeat that cycle with artificial intelligence, which is a, in my opinion, much more dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, Cause of scenarios exactly like we see in I am mother mm-hmm. uh, where it just sort of spins out of control, not anyone's fault, but people just aren't coming up with answers. The answers that are put in place are put in for the wrong reasons. Right. Stuff like that. But this shit literally was kind of beat to death in the days of Asimov and Niven. You right, know, right. like, damn, I'm surprised that yeah. at the cusp on the, uh, as we cross the threshold, as we cross the threshold, <laughs> uh, and we all turn into Sean Connery, uh, I'm kind of surprised that there isn't anything kind of new to say. Mm-hmm. But um, I also had a little problems with the world building. Like, there's a couple of scenarios where this this the the young woman gets away with exploration and like poking around at the f- edges of this facility that it doesn't seem like she should get away with but on the other hand everything the, by the end of the movie at, literally this is kind of like a gladys from portal that mm-hmm. which by the way that game steals a lot of thunder from this this movie too um uh, everything is a test. So, like, the right. fact that this little girl can go up to the airlock and open it without Mother being aware of it, like, well, of course Mother's aware of it. It's just it's just a fucking test. The fact that Hillary yeah. Swank got shot, was able to go to the thing, is a test. The fact that Hillary Swank was allowed to live in the wasteland, apparently part of the test. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe the movie actually isn't dumb. It's just literally any, any inconsistency. Like, why? There's a scene where she sneaks off with Mother's hand. I have no idea how she became in like in possession of like, that was hand. it a decommissioned hand i think it was yeah prepared? and it just left it alive An and that's hand. dumb but like but it's a test everything's a test mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. everything that's any logical in, in in consequence or any gaps in mother's programming is just her testing and there's a couple of things like i you know i i did rough math when i saw it like thir- uh, thirteen thousand yeah, seven hundred days that, later well, that's what i mean three minutes in i was like oh that's for about 40 years yeah. hillary swank's in this i thought we- hillary swank was generation one that escaped yes because this all the the way they and i well, think there's nothing in there that says she isn't i think she is right and these two women there's no way they didn't cast them to look so similar without yeah. that being a question you should ask or for sure I, I think she is yeah me too oh yeah, okay, because that, that, that's the thing that's, like I said, seen... almost every 
question you have might actually be the person saying, oh, it's just part of the test. Because, like, I think we saw like three embryos missing. One mm-hmm. of them was definitely burned up in the incinerator. That was number two. Number three is the daughter that, yes. uh, that we follow the entire number movie. Number one is Hillary Swank. Yeah. She's about to. Yeah. But, like, so. But some of that stuff does it hold up to close scrutiny. Like, why would the android keep the ashes? Why would mother keep the ashes of embryo too? It's all a test. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> See, like, this is all. That's none, what I this mean. is the thing that I don't think is plausible. Is that the i the idea that uh, you could design a test this? Uh, Man, I, I don't know how to describe it. A test that would be this intricate that would yeah. actually work out the way you think it would work yeah. out. There's no. <laughs> and with, I don't know with, how you're doing your double blinds here. Like I don't, I don't yeah. know how you're getting to this path of like, here's the perfect thing I need to do at this moment as a robot AI to push this further along. I, right, and the choice to make the first three all women uh-huh. was interesting too. Mm-hmm. But I like, think it just I, has like a template that it's starting from. Like, okay, I'm going to make this one person who's going to be a female uh-huh. and is going to have these traits going to be you know this utilitarian in their thinking mm-hmm. and it just kept trying that a few times until it got it oh see but the, until I think it got a plan that I, it I knew would lead to worse something than because right. like if they had established this has been going on for like a thousand years and yeah. like this is just the finally they got it right but because what you're suggesting is first embryo was raised just to be the ethical dilemma for the third embryo the second embryo was designed to test the idea of the third embryo's utilitarian, like how much uh-huh. they embraced utilitarianism, mm-hmm. and like so, like this complicated human experiment was was fully realized and envisioned the very first time this AI went about doing it. Like yeah. there's so yeah. like if, again, if they if it turns out that this is like a matrix thing, like this is the seventh Zion that we've had, to, like then I'm like okay, I'm I'm back I'm back in again, but. Even then, I, I'm not sure yeah. how deterministic humans' behavior is. Right. Uh, how much can you actually predict what a human will do in any given scenario? I, I think the question is open. Uh, right. And this movie sort of just comes down on a side of human behavior is deterministic, and these robots have figured it out. Mm-hmm. And I just like, but I don't even know that I agree with that because at the end, I'm left with like, what is the actual truth? Mm-hmm. What is the moral that I'm supposed to learn from this? Um, because I don't know where the movie stands on the idea of burning human civilization down and like in a laboratory trying to build it better. Right. Because I thought I knew what it said, but then when Mother visited Hillary Swank, I'm like, I don't know what the movie thinks about the uh, that. Right. Is this next test to give it to the daughter so she can raise her brother? Yeah. Give the facility and see what she does there. But the facility still exists. It still has the artificial intelligence all around. Like, she killed... Like, they made a point to where... Like, that's the other thing. Like, the movie did this moment where she kills Mother, but it just, in excruciatingly detail, told how impossible that thing is. Right. And I'm thinking, like, okay, well, maybe... Maybe Mother did. Like, this wasn't the latest test. Like, you're ready to take the reins when you have, you know, killed me, or you've you've passed a test and you're compassionate towards humans... But then again, they make it clear that Mother's still around because she goes and kills Hillary Swank. Yeah, she's got a ton of the, her copies out there. So, and how many of these facilities exist? Right. right. Yeah, we don't we don't know that. Yeah. Um, Where and they did mention Hillary Swank mentioned something about mines. Yeah. With other humans the, in but them that, that might they have can't been locate. All bullshit because, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if Hillary Swank was uh, one of the first clones, would she have any memory? Clone, I don't know why I'm calling them clones. First embryos. Because she does look a lot like Hillary Swank. Yeah. yeah. Hillary Swank. Wouldn't she have any memory of coming to that facility? I, these are all I questions or that I because she was a, she was found as a baby. So like all like so were all the miners quote like was that just an embedded mm. story? Did the robot put her there so that it could be raised and brutalized by these humans? You can understand. Well, I, they I, make I don't, a point I don't of like know. you don't you don't remember where you came from, right? You know? And and. Mm. They make that point of the robot, too. So I assume this is all, like, not implanted memories that she has, but, like, an implanted reality of some kind Mm -hmm. uh, in Hilary Swank's character. Right. But I I think... So my interpretation of the end Mm -hmm. uh, is that daughter has passed the test that mother had put her to, and the daughter is now mother. 
like the AI still exists, but the role of mother in that facility has been uh, taken on by the human itself. So but I still feel like she's like one bad day, like one bad screaming match at a child away from yeah. armies of mothers coming in, grabbing them all, throwing them in furnaces, and then uh-huh. get. That's so, that's the thing sure. that I don't think you know they fully answer or resolve that they kind of push to the side and just say human behavior is deterministic the robots have figured out how to train a human mm-hmm. to you know just like you'd train a dog to do the things that they expect of them yeah i mean it's as i'm talking about it it's like the the, the sin of this movie is it's so smart that i expected a little bit more from it mm-hmm. because honestly yeah, yeah. the effect works were really good they were exactly what they needed to sell the story everything felt realistic a lot of the world building i thought was super cool it's just, yeah, I wanted it to to have something declarative where in the end it's just kind of like looks at you and like, what do you think? And yeah, I wish they had done uh, had not had the subtitle in there that or the title card that says thirteen thousand days later because right. I instantly figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did right. very quick three second math mm-hmm. in my head was yep. like forty ish years. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know the whole plot of this movie. Yeah. It was like Matrix knowing trailers, Fu, right? As soon, like, as, as soon as Hillary Swank shows up, it's like, ah, yeah. yes. I get yeah. Uh, and that, that bothered me the most. I think I would have been more on the hook for this story if they had left that out and I was just sort of following Daughter on her journey mm-hmm. and, I, and kind of wondering, okay, where are they going with this? Yeah, I think it was fine during the movie. It wasn't until after that that was a problem because when I saw it was 38 years, this girl's obviously not that age, so... Yeah. Are they in space? Is there actually an extinction event outside? Is this like a Truman show? And she's, you know, I was mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the twist was going to be, but I already knew. So I, I don't know yeah. if it changed it afterwards. So you're looking for a twist that you haven't seen. And when it turns out to be the twist that you have seen. Right. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Struggling to figure out what the, what the message is here. Mm-hmm. What's the future for them? It is, I think, aside from that one minor misstep that i think it is it's it's a really well-made film yeah it's better than i expected it to be mm-hmm. yeah um and it's provided some thought-provoking conversation do you want to move on to the black mirrors yeah let's do it hey before we get into the topics the television the many television topics we're talking about this week i want to talk about a scene uh, bald move housekeeping number one we just wrapped up our coverage of hbo's fantastic miniseries chernobyl if you're looking for something to kind of watch in the slow uh, summer month, uh, I can highly recommend that. And we've got coverage of all five episodes right here in this podcast you're listening to, Bald Move TV. On the Bald Movies front, uh, we saw last night the new, uh, the, the latest installment of the X-Men franchise, Dark Phoenix. Um, and we have a full podcast on that up on the Bald Movies uh, podcast. You can find that by searching for Bald Movies. Next week, we're going to be looking at Men in Black International. Uh, and we've got a bunch of other movies coming up this summer that look great. Uh, you definitely want to subscribe to Bald Movies for all that goodness. Um, also, next week we'll be releasing in this feed, the Bald Move TV feed, our 50 million download celebration Q&A podcast. I just looked at uh, the questions we got. We got some really great, thought-provoking, entertaining questions to, uh, uh, to give. Uh, we will be uploading that, uh, a video version on YouTube, and there will also be a podcast version in this here feed. Uh, and then finally, it's Pride Month, and we, like many other companies, have developed a rainbow-derived uh, version of our logo, and we are donating 100% of the proceeds from these shirts. We we wanted a cool shirt for uh, to wear to uh, the Pride Festival and Parade here in Cincinnati, and why we whipped them up, we thought, hey, you know what? Let's see if anybody else wants them. Uh, 100% of those profits are going to go to the Trevor Project, which is a foundation that aims to decrease uh, suicide amongst young LGBT members. And if you know anything about it, you know that those uh, communities are uh, highly at risk because of the societal pressures they face. Um, And the Trevor Project tries to turn that around by uh, providing these people with trained counselors and professionals to to help them deal with uh, that that emotional pain they're going through. So if you want to check those out, it's at merch.baldmove.com. Of course, there's other T-shirts and memorabilia uh, available there. But if you want the cool rainbow-looking Bald Move logos uh, to benefit the Trevor Project, go to merch.baldmove.com and buy them sometime here in June 2019. Uh, Black Mirror, two episodes that we've seen. There's a third one involving Miley Cyrus. Um, this, uh, the first one is Striking Vipers, about two buddies that uh, 
uh, rekindle their friendship over a VR video game experience and find some sexual chemistry there. We're doing all spoilers for these two episodes. Uh, yes, front. but I mean, I'm going yeah. to lay out the like okay. uh, the the Pretty synopsis of the episodes first, and then Smithereen is about a man who. Uh, has an addiction to social media that's caused him some personal tragedy, and he cause, starts a hostage standoff, and his only demand is to talk to the creator of the social media, which is Topher Grace playing an idealized Mike, Mark Zuckerberg mm-hmm. type. Um, and then, like I said, there's a, there's a uh, Miley Cyrus, a Hannah Montana one to enjoy over the weekend. Yeah, I've not seen that. So what do we think? Let's start with uh, Striking Vipers first. Um the best of the two, though I felt like neither mm. of these was particularly Black Mirror-y. None right. of these, none of these were bad. None of these were particularly good. It felt it, these two episodes felt like to me that they're running out of actual Black Mirror, you know, technology type mm-hmm. focused stories to tell, and now they're trying to dip into. Um, you know, social issues. Well, they've that... always dipped in social issues, though. Well, yeah, sure, but, but now it's like mostly like social issues with like a side of technology. Right. What I feel like yeah. the change in this season is that they have, instead of being like, extrapolate these current trends into the future, what do? Mm-hmm. They're now like, look at these trends that are happening in our society right now. How mm-hmm. do we feel? What do? Um, so, because like none of this stuff felt particularly futuristic. I guess the VR technology did. Uh, but you know that's probably yeah. like something like that is probably ten to fifteen years away. Um, and and it's, it's it was a, it was essentially I thought I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought Striking Vipers was essentially a way to get people to ask how do we feel about transsex people? Yeah, like the hmm. you know they're like uh, I thought it was broader than that. I thought it was basically every type of alternative relationship you can imagine from like people who get who meet in world of warcraft and get married to like uh trans relationships to uh gay relationships to open relationships it was like the smorgasbord of human sexual relationships Mm -hmm. i agree except for like that's the thing that i thought the the maybe the thing that uh surprised me and again i have um just as a hobby i've kind of been like learning about some of this stuff and i feel like that this is yeah this is stuff that people are starting to wrestle with now but like right behind so like you know it's like uh uh, there's all gay acceptance, and now we're kind of like in the threshold of like trans acceptance. But right behind those are mm-hmm. non-binary and ase- asexual people, kind of waiting in line for like, hey, we exist and we're valid too. And so this is kind of a surface level, kind of like, hey, if mm-hmm. you know, if Jim looked like an attractive woman and I fucked her, would I be gay? And I fucked him, would I be gay? Right. Well, no, because he looks like an attractive woman. I'm attracted to the feminine. So I, so like a lot but of this we stuff, would definitely have to kiss in the rain to figure out. Well, then yeah, I'm like gay. if we met in real life and you look like you, then like you know, just like if Cecily decided to start taking testosterone, get a double mastectomy, and start dressing very butch and masculine i don't know that i'd still be sexually attracted to her i'd still love her because fundamentally the person hasn't changed but the things i was attracted to have changed like you know a a a gay man in love with a trans man is is still gay and a straight man in love with a trans woman is not gay that's how i Oh yeah that's different there's there's the difference between like love and sexual attraction though yes like do these men not love each other it seemed like they made a very emotional bond over that time and yeah well, see i think that's can't... why i think that's why carl's the interesting guy because when dan shows up and they kiss in the rain and they're both like not and feel anything like i don't know that i believe carl i don't know that i believe really i carl. bought it i i i believed him in that moment so like the, just the body was, language so yeah, what... because he's definitely going home and like having sex with his girlfriend yeah but it's not he's not enjoying it just the way the sure. other guy's not enjoying se- having sex with his right wife. it just seems but like there's no emotional i, I think it's because there's not the emotional connection there yeah, yeah. so no, so but... i don't think he's i don't think he's a gay man i think he's just emotionally more attracted to what's what's the other guy's name not carl daniel yeah. Daniel, I think he's more emotionally attracted to Daniel well, here's the than he is to this woman who he's physically attracted to. Like I, okay, maybe this is the here's the, what I don't understand. Although he plays the girl in that relationship, that's so, so and that's that's, that's, oh, like that's twisted a little that's bit. That's what's bothering me because like I, well, it's not bothering me because like to me, you know, Dan is a very good looking man. He's played by the guy who plays Falcon yeah. uh, in Captain the Captain America and Avengers series. He's a very very stri- He's a very good looking man, and so is the. Uh, you know the the Ryu Kin 
yeah, yeah, analog yeah. from the the he's... striking vipers. He's a very good looking masculine man, and if you find him attractive enough to kiss and fuck in in, in the video game, then like your buddy being an attractive masculine man, like why wouldn't that work? Um, that's where I was like, I for th- the same I, I reason think... I'm not attracted to every woman on the planet physically. Yeah, no, no that's that's true. That's <laughs> like... true. But like you know, like I talk a lot of shit about Gwyneth Paltrow, but like. I don't find it's not so much I find her physically attractive. It's like the entire package. But like if I <laughs> if, if like Cecily was plugged into a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow frame, I wouldn't be like, get the <laughs> fuck out of my bed. I don't know. I that's the thing. Like, yeah. I, I think the interesting thing is here is, is Carl and there's maybe more going on. Like maybe Carl's bisexual. And like I interpreted them kissing as like and like uh, Dan immediately breaks away. He's like, nope, nope, nothing like. And Carl's like, oh, yeah, me too. Like kind of telling hmm. a lie to preserve the friendship maybe. maybe maybe but that was the moment of honesty why would they do that then because he's it's afraid he doesn't want because like if if he said if the one guy said no homo and the other guy's like definite homo then the relationship it has to end right it's kind of like kind of like someone being friend zone like if you're in a friend zone and you cannot detach yourself emotionally and physically from someone else then you kind of have to no contact that and right. that's really painful if you are friends right. so i don't that's why i'm saying that that in that 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 is the you know yeah like if i was like so me and jim are playing a virtual game and he is like wearing a costume that makes him look like his brother doesn't look like jim okay. but it's kind of like kind of Jim yeah and I'm fucking his brother and I'm having a ball but then in real life I kiss Jim and it's nothing there it would be like, different. I get it. everyone be, has preferences I mean, it'd be different if you were f- fucking a female version of Jim that, that's that's the part that that's confusing to me because he's in real life you see him with this woman that he's having Carl that he's having sex with but he identifies as a woman in this online game space mm-hmm. um I don't know. As a woman personally, I I like the way sex works for me, so mm-hmm. I couldn't blame I so, couldn't so blame is he, them. Apparently, yeah. Well, yeah. see, that's other things. Like, so I, is that the whole thing? Is that it's just it's a completely different like physical sensation? I wonder. I I don't know. Did you notice that this VR um, device that they're using is the same from the Star Trek style episode from that uh, Jesse Plemons I, I did, was in? Yeah. Huh, okay. No, it I was didn't, the same thing. So I'm wondering they if they do it's those like little a, tie-ins in the show. Yeah. Huh? Like a total body experience, how that works? Seems like it, because like that's the other thing is like I, yeah, I think I'm pretty conventionally straight and cis, but like if I had a VR experience where I could see what it's like to be fucked from a woman's perspective, absolutely, I'm shoving quarters in that machine. (laughs) I want to check it out. A very big quarter, yeah. yeah. But then he at least seventy five cents worth. Because the first time, maybe that person, maybe he just sucks. You know, I want, I want, I want, I want a couple of, I want a couple spins of that roulette wheel and see what I get. But right, and he's also saying it's not just the experience of being with a woman woman or even a polar bear it's being with him yeah. personally yeah yeah it's this is why i like this episode the most is because i do think it's complicated i don't think it's very black mirror-y the the vr is the only thing that really stands out here mm-hmm. is anything you could relate to black mirror but honestly like the stuff they're doing like the running the gamut of kind of every type of relationship you can possibly think of here mm-hmm. is what is interesting to me about this episode and sort of where they land on it too because i think it, their their final resting place on this episode is a very mature one, a very mm-hmm. like understanding one. Like th- it, it's clear to me that there is still like from Carl's side, it's emotional and physical and he's getting that thing that he wants. Uh, whether or not Daniel is like closeted or something and still won't admit it, but wants to be with Carl physically, but only through the game but also mm-hmm. with his wife emotionally, uh, I think that's what they're playing at. And then his wife is off, you know, at the bar picking up dudes, right? Mm-hmm. So like, they come to a, an understanding by the end of so this. So then they start talking. Right. So that that goes into like they threw in the last five minutes. Like, how do you think on top of all this? How do you think about polyamorous or open or yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Or right. and uh, they even like swinging the, relationships, yeah. the non-sexual relationships, the kind of like. Mm-hmm things that a woman goes through when a man doesn't want to have sex with her who used to find her incredibly uh-huh. attractive. Yeah, yeah the dinner like, scene is very good. That was really good, yeah. And, yeah, how that changes. And how they, you know, maintain... I think they maintain an emotional connection. Like, I don't think they ever lose that. Well, well they start to lose it because he doesn't know how to break 
whatever he's feeling to her, right? Right. So they mm-hmm. lose that emotional connection temporarily, but I think by the end of it, they've got it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you see, you know, her looking out at him playing with the kids and, like, thinking, oh, this is nice, you know? And then she goes out to the bar and mm-hmm. pr- presumably bangs some dude. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. Right. I thought it was interesting. Yeah. I like yeah, I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's like, I just feel like I've somewhat spoiled myself because I... You may have the I am mother problem that I have. Yeah, because, like, uh, there's this, um, I'm going to plug it because I really like the work she's doing, but there's this uh, channel called ContraPoints I've been watching for almost three years, and when I first started watching her, she presented as a just straight-up dude. Like, she was, like, doing, like, debunking of different, like, you know, alt-right topics, like, you know fascism and uh she's like um has a really good vi- video on like you she know racism in america for psychology or so- uh, p- uh so- philosophy yeah. phd okay. in philosophy mm-hmm. and i i watched her transition in real time and talk about like what the effects of hormones have and like it like you watch that shit in real life and then from there like all the people that she hang around hung around with so saw other perspectives and stuff and started watching like cat black and it's like you see all this shit happening real and then it's like these guys and I'm like I just want to instantly like well this is what's happening and like you guys need to figure it out but like there's not to me like the big societal questions have been you know like asked and and kind of answered and but again I can't begrudge people for like this is the first time you thought about stuff like that well but this is like individuals dealing with the emotional weight you're right of those, no, you're not those wrong. questions and I think that's the most interesting part because like I I certainly have opinions on things like open relationships and transgender people and like yeah. gay people like let's hear them all right now okay I'll lay them out <laughs> I I have a I have a an outlined bullet point list on on gymofthrones.com my feelings of of all of those topics no but you know it's these people like trying to figure out how this new revelation to them fits into their life mm-hmm. and that to me is interesting yeah mm-hmm. yeah so would you fuck me in a vr video game if I presented as a oh, oh now we're talking about okay. talk tough and a, 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 a hard punching blonde woman. Oh, I thought you're gonna go with polar bear. Tundra. <laughs> oh, they did fuck a polar bear, right, yeah. See, I think I think uh, th- Carl this... see that's the thing. I think Carl's pansexual is what it yeah. really is. I and think so. he was just trying to he's Does trying pansexual to pansexual include animals too? What no, you're not right. No, that's like not... uh, I don't know what you'd have to t- interspecies sexual. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the word for that, especially oh, when, you're talking about, when you're talking about the, uh, you know, uh, VR. Like, what does that even fucking mean? Mm-hmm. Now, you're, now you're fucking a digital avatar. That's what I'm saying. Like, v, like uh, Black Mirror's got to get into the get, get really weird, man. Like with like post singularity sexuality. They got to at least catch up to Second Life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you're not at that level, uh-huh. if dicks aren't raining from the sky while you're trying to have a serious conversation yeah, with fuck, your wife if, about if, if, if a penguin can't fuck a cactus, then right. what are we even? Yeah. what are we even doing? Yeah, come on. Yeah, step it up, Charlie Booker. You uh, can do better. Hang around the weirder parts of the internet. You need to. You need to really see what what's out there. Um, do we have anything else we want to say about striking vipers? No. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to Smithereen. Uh, the guy. Who's like the star of this episode was also the priest on Andrew uh, Scott. Oh, fuck you. Season two of uh, Fleabag. And he was Moriarty from the BBC Sherlock. Oh, shit. Sherlock, I think it's called. And he sounds exactly like Chris O'Dowd when he gets excited. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I like this guy a lot. And I thought that he brought a lot to the role. And there's a lot of things I really enjoyed about this. Um, I thought it was interesting to see like the like um like a British version of a uh hostage standoff like the uh, initial responding cops didn't even have guns and yeah. then they had to cut like they and then you saw like they fucking de-escalated that situation like uh I thought as like comparison like how you know how many times we've seen this thing play out in like America television American television versus you know this kind of a British take on what this standoff would look like and you know whether violence is justified and when and um i will say that they really they really portrayed the british snipers as borderline incompetent in this episode yeah, they're terrible which is good uh, news they don't get to fire at people maybe, that often but also so maybe i want my get special to the range forces a little to be yeah, bit more. If, you're, if you're taking shots where the hostage heads is like 18 inches away yeah, uh, you don't want some rube just taking yeah, that shot yeah yeah i know um yeah, they need to get Which better. Which is what at, happened. They, they need to practice. <laughs> yeah. They need to practice shooting people. Uh, I, 
I thought that was kind of interesting. And, you know, the, there is a lot of this coming down the pike. Like, for the first time, politicians are like, wait a second, we're letting children gamble real money in these fake video games, and this, but we're crack. Like, you got to fly out to Las Vegas to put money on a football game? Like, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. the fuck are we doing? Also, you have this is like real life. Like, when they said that we've got a whole department talking about how we can hit the dopamine centers of people's brains more effectively and harder and get it to have these behaviors be more ingrained and more addictive uh that what social media is doing to us as a society just without all those factors put in there like just the fact that it allows us to compartmentalize and silo up and and get more and more ever extreme of their views and i'm you know i'm obviously no exception to that um but again again i don't what is what is this episode's opinion? Did you just get a notification on your phone for your mobile game? God, I did. To check I, I, your, to check your did. chest. I'm, I'm missing a sniper challenge right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't. I don't. What is the what's the answer? What's the opinion? What is like? I understand all these problems exist, and then like I thought it was extremely frustrating the credit sequence where, honestly, it would have been stronger if they just ended with the fade to black. You think so? I'm I, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I liked it. I thought was I, it was like just showing that everyone's going to move on. That this this exactly. felt like a big moment, but it's actually not exactly like the CEO yes. is on the sat phone and he's saying, you know what, I'm going to quit this job. You're right, I'm doing the wrong thing. I came out here for this bullshit retreat and I hate it. And you know, after they all mm. get this notification that they took out the uh, what do you call it? What do you the, call him? The hostage taker. The hostage the taker. <laughs> the tango. Yeah. They all get the notification. They just go right back to, uh, he goes right back to meditation. Everyone just puts their phones down and goes back to their jobs. At least they put their foot, phone down. Well, um, I mean, it was nicely subtle at the end where they had the guy at the stoplight check his phone and he's looking at it, the light turns and then they have to honk at him to go. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't have it as obvious as like, oh, here's a guy driving down the road looking at his phone and there's another crash. Like, yeah, that'd be too fucking obvious. Right. Uh, but they hint at it subtly like this is nothing has changed. Here's the road we're on. And that's what I like about this episode the most is the sort of wake up call nature of it. Mm-hmm. Like and that that idea, like I said, in the I Am Mother review, how this kind of, you know, one thing starts as a thing. Uh, the social media starts as like a cool way to keep in touch with friends and eventually turns into this monster that not even the person who started it has control over because mm-hmm. uh, it's grown beyond them. And like, once you get to that point, how do you, I feel like the question it's asking is where do we go from here? Or alternatively, how can we prevent ourselves from getting here? Although I would argue we're already there. Like this whole thing takes place in 2018, I think is what mm-hmm. it says. So they're saying we're already here. How the fuck do we get back to something where it hasn't spun out of control, where people aren't dying because they're so integrated on their fucking Farmville <laughs> game that they have to be alerted every 30 seconds. We just make more self-driving cars. Sure. Maybe AI is the yeah. the solution to the problem. I mean, it's, and eventually you're they not can wrong. extinct like, us it, and start over. I, I, like, on this side of the solution, we can't really see it. Like, But it's probably going to be some technology. It's probably going to be some mm-hmm. legislation. It's probably going to be um, a kind of, kind of mix of that. Um, because asking the companies to make their product less appealing is not going to work, and asking mm-hmm. people to just put down these things that have been engineered to weaponize addiction is not going to work. So Right, mm-hmm. and to deny the government the, and all of these wealthy corporations their all-access to everything about your life, they're not going to stop doing. Yeah, because that's the other part, the fact that like civilians getting involved in these tense standoffs can really fuck things up in a bad way like having you know, we i've seen it happen at least twice on reddit where you know they're like the threads are covering a live event and they go on a witch hunt and target the wrong person or get like you know endanger the police activity because people are literally like communicating what the police are doing and mm-hmm. um like i said I, I i don't know i haven't seen the third episode i don't know that this is it's a different year of, of Black Mirror, obviously, and the yeah. fact that they're kind of like circling back around to, to, to grapple with technological impacts we're having right now rather than like, oh, imagine how fucked up things are going to be 20 years in, in the future. In shorter seasons at that. And shorter, yeah. We, you know, you had, I don't even know what to call Bandersnatch. Was that three episodes with the content? <laughs> was a half episode with the content? I thought that was the... Yeah. Did they call that just the fourth season? No, that was season five. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So like I if you know it's if it's if it's two to three episodes worth of content, then it's about the same size as any other Black Mirror episode season. But um, uh, I don't know. I've heard the Hannah Montana episode is the one that everyone's saying is just the god awful. <laughs> Can't call her that oh, anymore. Uh, okay. <laughs> the, the Miley Cyrus I, I, episode. I called I called Will Smith the Fresh Prince of. Uh, I just called him a fresh yeah. prince last night. So, like, yeah, I, I reserve the right to go back to your childhood uh, original fame. And I guess that's yeah. fair from that perspective. But, I, I, yeah, I, I just feel like that these, I they were all thought-provoking in, mm-hmm. in kind of a way. But, like, again, I'm like, what is, you know, what is going to be the, what's what's the answer? What Can we, suge- can we suggest the answer? Like, you don't have to be right. Just suggest an answer, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, can, like, uh, someone step forward and give an answer and let's talk about Because the other thing is, like, I keep thinking is, like, uh, are we going to go through another round of, like, trust busting in the next 20, 30 years? Because part of the problem is, like, you know, you know, YouTube's in a lot of hot water about their moderation policies this this uh, this week, um, oh, and yeah. for good reason. Oh yeah. But part of the problem is YouTube is the only place you can go to upload your video and find an audience online. It has an effective monopoly across the entire fucking planet. But don't you dare try to copyright strike anything. Right. But so it's like if if there was like twenty different YouTubes and people could vote with their feet about like, oh, these people are letting this mm-hmm. fucking defamation and uh hate speech go on we're gonna go support ones that don't but youtube is the clearinghouse for every fucking thing facebook is the de facto social media for you know sharing your statuses and stuff and instagram's got like everything's all fucking siloed there's very little competition and it seems like some Mm -hmm. of this stuff would be better off split you know if not um like like at least across like why is youtube kind of run the fucking world why does facebook run the world Shouldn't there be like a UK version of Facebook that's successful and maybe we could all jump ship to there? Canada, get your so maple leaf Chinese and develop a social media of that, that's, that's built around people being nice and apologetic. <laughs> what stops them from taking over the world? I, I, well, we can becomes, all be digital uh, nomads and, and if the Canadian way is better, we can, we can do it. We can, yeah, we can go that way. Yeah, you just have to find a way to stop things from becoming corrupt like the incels are a great example yeah we'll, we'll come back next week with the solution yeah we'll have that we've been yeah. a little need to watch this last episode <laughs> and uh i think we'll figure it out uh-huh. uh what was that was it sapiens the thing that i was reading last yeah. year because like that's like yeah if you if you believe the science and that and why would you <laughs> uh you know humans have been trying to come up with a better system of organizing ourselves for something like seventy thousand years um we'll see if we'll get there yeah. Spoiler. Spoiler. Give, it, yeah, give yeah. us a week. Yeah, tune in tune in for next week on Planet Earth. I'm not done trying. I'll be nice to you on social media. Unless you're a dick. Yeah. Then she'll <laughs> be a vengeful angel of old. Speaking of, shall we get the good omens? Sure. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good omens. We saw two episodes last week. Uh, We saw four more episodes this week. I thought the third episode is particularly good. I quite enjoyed what I, uh, the thirty-minute-long cold open of these angels, the angel and demon yes. forging a relationship uh, slowly over the course of the millennia. Um, I quite enjoyed the characterization of the Antichrist and his little uh, mm-hmm. arc. Uh, it's I, 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 I enjoyed the spe- resolution of the series. I mm-hmm. like the resolution, the fact that it is definitely open for a sequel but it wouldn't feel complete like it would also kind of feel like an interesting coda if there wasn't um Mm -hmm. yeah i haven't read the book but we did have a few feedbackers that said that it followed pretty closely to how the book went too Mm. yeah so that's got to be satisfying for those book snobs like myself uh, (laughs) i know alexis has read it and she said she really liked the series too so yeah i thought tenant and sheen were continued to be the kind of engine that made everything work yeah so good uh i really continued to enjoy um uh john ham's archangel gabriel yeah uh the whole yeah his Mm -hmm. like uh the whole idea that this is just like well we gotta have you know yeah we gotta have who we gotta have the war because how else can we win like 
I mean, that's the, that's like Terry Pratchett at his best is when he kind of like holds up humanity in a kind of a non-judgmental kind of like to highlight the insanity, but also the fact that we are all at some points in our life go along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like we've all had that moment where we're going to fight a fight that probably doesn't need to be fought, but fuck it. We're going to, you know, we think we can win. Um, the exploration of kind of human nature through like these supernatural means, like, you know, to reveal something interesting about a humanity by looking at an angel and a demon you know, and their relationship. I thought it was really, really great. There's mm-hmm. a couple of really funny things like, um, uh, Crawley come like, uh, the hot footing it through to church. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, cause he's on holy ground. Uh, I loved him driving through the fire. The, him driving through the yes. fire. Like David Tennant plays really good. Crazy man. Yes. Oh, yeah. You don't, I, I, I mean, I guess that was part of his appeal of doctor who is he brought that kind of like every once in a while he just get shouty and it had a great mm-hmm. turn in Harry Potter, which you missed out on. Yeah. But Bartimus yeah. Crouch Jr. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, 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 him playing just kind of like bat shit. Uh, is is real fun and mm-hmm. him like some of the things of uh, him rolling around in that flaming mobile and then it getting <laughs> flying apart oh, at the end. Let me ask you this: Yeah, what's with the miracles? So I got the impression okay. that, that yes. the devil, the the devil, or I think it's not the devil, the demon uh-huh. was perfectly willing to do as many miracles as he felt like. Uh-huh. Uh, the angel, not so much. Am I am I reading that right? Like every time, like Aziraphale needed to do a miracle to save them he was like doing the most minor miracle possible and or refusing to do it at all i think it goes back to like um you know when satan was tempting jesus and like one of the things he said is like you know just tell these rocks to become bread and eat why are you starving and jesus that's what i got too it's kind of like it's like it's like a angel's humility that like if you use a miracle it'd be for someone else's benefit Mm -hmm. like just to clean your clothes you need a demon to do something selfishly yeah and but by the same thing there's a couple points where i think crawley had a hard time doing a miracle like a miraculous for like the greater good because because <laughs> that's not in that's his not nature. his ballywick so then that's where the angel would step in uh-huh. uh, but they i don't know that it was a flaw that they didn't actually come out and say that because it's kind of no fun it was try to figure it out and debate and like you know and i ended up reading that same thing into it and i found the whole tension between like when are you able or allowed almost when is a miracle permissible to be an interesting thing in the the lore <laughs> Right, but I thought, right. see, I thought I thought they missed a couple examples to make that like, well, for example, when they show up to the uh, former orphanage and all the paintballs get replaced with real guns. Mm-hmm. Like I thought the joke would be that the demon replaces it with guns, but the angel makes sure that everything miraculously misses. Yeah. But it seems like Crawley did both, and that uh, Azaraphale Az- Az- kind of was like along for the ride. Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, when I I saw it was I thought it was more of like a power thing. Mm. Or maybe they were just, like, in a friendship kind of way, keeping score. Like, no, it's your turn. No, it's your turn. I'm not going to do this type of thing. Because they did have a sort of a, an understanding that they would, neither of them would do anything that's in their nature, really. Like, you know, the demon's not going to go off and tempt people. Mm-hmm. And the angel is not going to go necessarily try to make everybody do good things or help everyone. Because that's... They're just going to do nothing Because together, they, they right? show, like, <laughs> over the centuries, them trying very hard, and they just, like, neutralize yeah, them. Right. They always yeah. end up in the same place, <laughs> so, yeah, that's, opposing each other. If that's what we could do. It's kind of like, you know, but it's, it's Black one of those... Night scene. It's yeah, one of those thought experiments of, like, you know, if everyone on Earth would just stop going to war, uh-huh. how much of our budget we could save on, like, <laughs> making the world better and we wouldn't have to go to war in the first place, but of course mm-hmm. that's terribly naive. It never worked. We could run our bookstores and we could do Ex- whatever exactly. demons do. I don't know. Exactly. Drive fancy cars and yeah. fuck. I, d- d- probably he fucks. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Crawley? Demons I fuck. mean, canonically, he that's fucks. how you got the Nephilim in the Bible. The, yeah, that's the true. demons yeah. saw the hot girls and the hot hot earth girls and how gone wild they were and like I want to get some of that. <laughs> I want to manifest myself a body with genitals and at the very least you're drinking all the time. I know that much. There's only the girls. There was no no gay no gay demons. It was just the the of daughters of man. Well, they're that, fallen angels, but they're not that far fallen. That's Come right. On. <laughs> you know, they have their standards. Yeah, God wouldn't allow that to happen. Like no same no same sex uh, debauchery and. Uh, <laughs> um, I yeah, but. There was a couple of other things that I thought some of the special effects work was a little bit dodgy, but honestly, they took this kind of cartoony approach that right. everything kind of fell. It's like criticizing the graphics in Little Big Planet. Like, you know, well, yeah. he's made, he's, this dude's made out of felt. What do you want? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, so I, everything kind of just kind of just worked. Yeah, and I liked that the um, Adam 
the was that his name? Yeah. Adam, yeah, the actual Antichrist came around to doing this thing with his friends where they're all teamed up again and the meeting at the military bunker was probably the funniest thing that they uh-huh. all just showed up at the same time and the yeah. kids just rode by that guy. Yeah. But uh-huh. I loved that the four of them were exact like counterparts to the four horsemen mm-hmm. of the apocalypse. Yep. And they how- were riding bicycles, the horsemen are riding Motorcycles. motorcycles yeah yeah and how the kid's innocence in like naming the dog like kind of neutering the hellhound like you know to form follows function so when he when he envisions him in as a like you know this like adorable dog it ch- fundamentally changed the nature of the hellhound mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like that's what also saved adam in the end is the fact that like his dog was getting scared about what he was doing and that you know it wasn't just his friends that recalled him it was that like he saved the hellhound, the hellhound saved him. There's a nice symmetry there. Just really, really I think I'm gonna put it on on a bumper. Kind of similar to what they did with the witch finder versus he wasn't a witch hunter. He's a witch finder versus the actual witch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked how Michael McKean and uh, uh, Miranda Richardson had that little nice meet cute throughout the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I, that there's yeah, it was it was. Uh, it was gentle and it was cute, and uh, the stakes never felt really high because he kind of knew the thing. I, I, I actually going in that final episode, I'm like, I wonder how dark I can possibly expect this because on the one hand is Carrie Pratchett, but on the other hand, you know Neil Gaiman. I just I've seen American Gods mm-hmm. and that shit's pretty bleak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, where is the midline between the vanilla and the chocolate on the flavor scale? And turns out, uh, I, you know Neil Gaiman seems like. He's more of a softy at yeah. heart because this was all good feels. No I'm bad actually, feels. I'm halfway through the Watchmen comic book, and uh, yeah, things get dark. <laughs> well, that's not that's Alan Moore, right? Yeah, Neil Gaiman wrote no part of that. No, but, mm, yeah, he was definitely part of it. Not sure how much. For seriously, yeah, for huh. for seriously, maybe he just wrote the Black Pirate Freighter, oh, the, Black, or the Black Freighter stuff, or something like that. Um. Or maybe oh, was, he, invo- was he involved Caribbean. in like the spinoffs? Because there's a whole bunch of like Watchmen spinoffs in the last decade. All right, well, I learn something new every day. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if they're gonna do a follow up to this, uh-huh. but I would very much welcome it. Although I don't know that it could possibly have the same humor. Uh, I don't think it would have the same style without both of them writing. The hook here is like so yeah. much of the plot revolved around the uh, very good prophecies of Agnes, and yeah. it seems like the sequel, the thing that changes, like the humans are just throwing that away, mm-hmm. so they're going to wing it all. Yeah. I, I think, but that's I think like, that could so be interesting. You can oh. tell like an equal and opposite story, where like because like it does like you know part of the idea of God's ineffable plan is it's no matter what you do, it's going to come true. Like everything went wrong mm-hmm. to make everything go right, so. That's I and I think that's like if you're going to conceive of a cool god, that's the way to do it. Like you know, they God's actually a very very good person, and there's it turns out this is like literally the only way you can give an intelligent being like any kind of meaningful cosmic free will, and it's really fucked up and convoluted. But if you trust the process, it's going to get us to a good spot. Like well, one of the fine, most I'm, I'm cool with that. Like one of the biggest reasons that I want a sequel to this is because of the reveal at the end where. Uh, they show you the switcheroo that's yes. happened because that doesn't need to happen. Like as as part of an ineffable plan, uh-huh. what is the point of fooling your underlings after the situation has resolved itself? That's what I want to know. So it almost implies that there is some greater fulfillment to the ineffable <laughs> plan that I would like uh-huh. to see in a you know. And I was yeah. dumb two. because I didn't know that they switched. I thought the gag was that Crawley, by his self sacrifice, had like become angelic enough that holy water did no longer <laughs> oh. kill him, and that Azaraphale oh, had didn't become get until switch back had but... become enough of like a creature comfort, like comfy guy that like Hellfire no longer could burn uh-huh. him and torment him. Yeah. That that was like a sign of personal growth. They were both like than... more human. At this point, than angel or demon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they couldn't be affected by those things anymore. And uh-huh. I was actually kind of disappointed that oh no, it, they just switched, <laughs> they just did a switcheroo. But not yeah. briefly. It's it's that's fine too. It's just that was my pet theory of what was happening. Yeah, uh, I figured it out as soon as we figured out that people could switch bodies. Yeah. Oh, I was like, damn. oh yeah, this is. Oh, and then the, the prophecy. Actually, I feel like the dumbest person alive because the prophecy is like, choose carefully what face <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, Al- you although take, it was yeah. like misspelled. Uh, a lot of it was, it. That, that, it was like choofier faces. Yeah, or... yeah, that old English stuff was. 
Oh, it wasn't actually. Mi- I thought it was just a typo. No, it's, yeah, it's like, actually just old English. Yeah, like okay. they, there's a lot of dangling e's and f's were spelled where capitalized a, words of s were and, they? Huh. I don't know. Okay. Should be, shouldn't be. Um, well, I'm the dumbest person alive. <laughs> Not you. <laughs> Our powers combined to make us still kind of right. Uh, question. Could you, would you have it in you to burn the second book of prophecies at the end? No, I'm very much. <sighs> I can do it. I'm very much the Biff who grabs the Atlas or, or the yeah. Almanac and goes and makes $200 billion. Yeah, I have a kind of like a life's axiom that like no accurate information can truly be bad. It was her life's purpose up until then. And it seems like something she's really good at being a witch herself. I don't know. I would at least like give it one read through and decide whether or not I'm going to do all the deep research I did for the first book. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, burn it. Like, yeah, you know, just like, gone forever. That's it. Yeah, it belongs in a museum. You should give it to Indiana Jones. But it was and... also constricting to her life, right? It's like, yeah, that's true. You know, she couldn't, she wasn't a person until she gets rid of that book. Right. And, and she's that's... just, she's Agnes. And part of yeah. God's ineffable will is to eventually grant humanity some sort of free will or free moral agency then the they kind of they kind of got to go there but yeah. nothing's ever really gone the bentley came back the bookstore came back That's right true. and it doesn't seem like there's like not uh there it did seem the holy water and hellfire is the true death like there's no like you can re-manifest yeah. a material body i thought that was pretty funny too the non-demonic possession uh by Zarafale towards the end with miranda richardson that was a, yeah that was, some of that stuff was pretty droll but yeah, it did feel like a demon, like when that one demon had the bucket of holy water uh, dropped in on him. There was also this like thing where every time someone said, is that holy water? And someone said, the holiest. Like, the f- what does that even mean? God pissed this out himself. Yeah, was that like, <laughs> that was from God's yeah. fucking own commode? Because yep. what, where, what is that? They kept on saying it, and I'm like, that's going to pay off. Maybe it pays mm-hmm. off in a sequel. Because I don't know how many of these like gags, because they... I read an interview with Neil Gaiman, and he said that him and Pratchard had kind of left it open for a sequel and had talked about sequel possibilities over the years, but they never had time to do it. Like, I wonder how yeah. much of this shit is, like, building towards, like, the sequel. But Sure. Uh, you want to leave those doors open, I think. Yeah. Why not? And uh, they, they sure did, uh, and I welcome it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else we want to talk about as far as gods? Okay. Before we move on, I want to talk about the club, club.baldmove.com. One of the most popular features about uh, judging by downloads and engagement is lunch with Jim and Aaron. It's something we do every Friday. We just got done recording it before we did this podcast. Uh, and it's a premium feature only available for club members where Jim and I just talk about random stuff and people send us uh, topics to talk about. Uh, this week, someone uh, asked us about an old lunch we did back in July 31st, 2015. And it's where Jim and I were playing around with this face rig software that was able to morph us into a tiger and a cheeseburger and a cat <laughs> and a demon man and Santa Claus. And some hilarity ensued. Uh, if you go to the... The lunch article for this week, uh, June 7th, 2019, I actually linked that classic episode of Lunch with Jim and Aaron. If you want to watch the whole thing and see what it's all about, it's kind of a blast from Bald Move Pass. I also time-linked right to our shenanigans with the face rig if you want to go right there. Uh, It's a great way to uh, preview that content. You can also go to club.baldmove.com. There is free previews galore on that page, and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial if it sounds like it's something that's your speed. And it helps us keep our independent podcast going at club.baldmove.com. Hey, Maid's Tale. We saw the first season, Cecily. We actually did a couple of Bald Move TV episodes on it. And it was a tough watch. Season two, we gave up after two or three episodes because it was just uh, painful. It was painful. It's like... We weren't learning anything new. We it's were just torture porn. Yeah, we're just finding new ways you can torment and 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 women and strip them of their agency. And um, like it does seem, I saw this trailer for season three, and it seems like that this is now the re- the vengeance arc where the handmaids are organizing and they're taking it back to the uh, new Zion or Gideon, whatever. Gilead. Gilead. Uh, I just I how 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 do you feel about this? I should ask you. Um, I, I'm curious about this season for the last two, the second and third season, just because it, you know, went away from the books. It's past Margaret Atwood's material, which could be interesting. But after those first episodes of season two, it's just really, it's just really hard 
to watch and it's not for me it's preaching at me but i'm the person who's affected by it i can put myself there you know you can see that women are oppressed all the time in really horrible ways um and it's just it's hard to watch and i feel like the people who should be watching it and need to be watching it to understand the subtext are not mm-hmm. um that that's kind of how I feel I about it. But then I, again, I don't know what these stories are doing. I do like that this is getting out in the cultural consciousness because it's really cool. Or it's not cool, it's effective mm-hmm. when like a squad of handmaid shows up at like a, leg- a state legislature right. and just sits Alabama there and, to and silently sits in the balcony and watches these people cast their votes. Like, um, And I don't know, it might be a tool for empathy if you've got, like, a partner that doesn't get it or you've got some family member or friends that, like, like television and they're they're not, like, anti or they're kind of on the fence or don't see why it should be important. But me, uh, I'm going to – I think what I'm going to do – because Ohio turns out we're in the middle of a battleground state in this issue. Like, we're not the worst. Thank God for fucking Alabama. But were it not for Alabama, we'd have the – and Georgia – what is it, Georgia? Both. Uh, if it were not for those two states, we'd have the most re- restrictive um, abortion uh, legislation in, in the union. And I think instead of the hour or two I'd spend uh, 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 watching um, Handmaid's Tale to say nothing about podcasting, I'm going to um, write to my state representatives and my federal representatives, my, my uh, representative, my senator, and I'm going to call their office and I'm going to there's a couple of them that I'm going to say right on. Thanks for standing strong. And there's a bunch more. I'm going to, talk, to take the task and uh, maybe do that every week uh, because I don't just I just don't know what I'd get watching it other than bummed out and more angry than I already am. Right. And I think we've shared our views on those issues many times. Yeah. In many different ways. But it's just like, God, it's really hard to watch. Um and if yeah. that's what you need if that's what you need to uh motivate you to action or keep you focused or uh, as a as a tool to to tell other people like why this is important, then then I support it. And again I'm glad it's being made because it does seem like it's effective in, in certain certain things. I just like I, I don't know what I'm taking from it. Bald Moo proudly supports your right to watch this show. <laughs> to choose to watch Handmaid's Tale, yeah. But uh, hashtag not my television. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not um, gonna we're not gonna cover it uh, for this season that's coming out in real time. But we are going to be primed to take on Harlots that Hell comes out next yeah. month, season three of Harlots, which also t- tackles some uh, uh, tough issues. All but of it's these also issues just a fundamentally more fun to watch right yeah it's a way it's so great to have like a period piece where these things aren't exactly you know there's not going to be an entire house run by black people men and women especially a woman in charge right um in this time period it's a little bit more aspirational but that feels good rather than regressive right exactly and there you're not going to have so many like openly gay characters who are finding acceptance amongst other people uh-huh. and they find a way to make it work in this time period because it's not without its struggles uh-huh. and uh yeah i think it's i think it's great not I'm that really excited not, to cover that, that one hard things to watch in harlots too <laughs> oh yeah um season 1 very rapey <laughs> Very rapey. Lots of, sexual, lots of sexualized violence in the uh, 17th century harlotry, turns yeah. out. Uh, but we'll be we'll be watching that. That's the other thing is like the final thing that's kind of the, the the nail to the bald move coverage of Handmaid's Tale uh, a coffin is that they were going to overlap a little bit and like I ugh, it's a lot. That's a, that's a lot yeah, to be no. watching. We're doing so, this for Kitty Carter. Yeah, for Kitty Carter. <laughs> I can't do. I don't got the bod. I didn't. Yeah, I lost it. You don't. You're, you have to get. You have to I get. Did, no, I decided to just not go for it this time. You have to get. You're gonna have to get it back. You got. You got what? Five weeks left to get it I'll back. I'll practice. Uh, okay, that is Bald Move Television for this week. That's a lot of television, y'all. So yeah. much. Uh, you can send feedback to TV at baldmove dot com. Uh, we'll be back next week with I don't know. We, every Monday we roll in, we see what the new trailers are, and we decide what to talk about on Friday. And we uh, miss half the trailers because they're not listed on anybody's services page. Yeah, Netflix <laughs> likes to just shovel out content. They shovel out so much they can't even properly mark. Here's the thing: it's ridiculous. I, okay, I tried to find I am mother, couldn't find any of my like initial screens. I typed in I space. Uh-huh. A M space legend M O T. I got the H. I am moth before Netflix <laughs> am suggested moth, on the visible grid of like 
20 movies wow. it was suggesting. Yes. Like, uh, Netflix can't keep up with their own stuff. What in the fuck? How can you not? Like, this just came out today. It's like a Netflix original. You spent a ton of money on it. Did you forget that you did? Like, I don't get it. I don't understand. Uh, and it's so weird because... Especially since it's, it wasn't a terrible movie. So you no. think, you know, they release a ton of stuff. They put some of the ones they know are going to be B-movies in the back. The other was- funny thing that I've realized is that, like, I almost, like, Netflix is such a, got a, such a huge lead in this game that a lot of times when I went to go watch Good Omens, I found myself starting up Netflix. Yeah. Uh, or, like, when I was wanting to do Catch-22, it's like I'd find myself starting up Netflix because you just assume it's all going to be on Netflix. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, right, this is a Hulu and this is an Amazon. Mm-hmm. That's a problem for Hulu and Amazon mm-hmm. and for all who enter this space. Well, yeah. I mean, they're taking it back. They're... All these good shows you just named are on those programs. Yeah, you're so. right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Um, and if Netflix keeps miscategorizing and losing their new content, well, uh, it doesn't seem like it's a great strategy for their success. But, hey, we'll be back next week with another crop of television. Thanks for watching with us. We'll see you then. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. I'm Cecily. Have a great weekend. Bye.